time in your word now, Lord. We've spent time in song. We've got to spend time around your table. We've spent time in fellowship, Lord. But as we're in your word, I pray that it would be alive in our hearts, Lord. Um, you are the word. You're the word become flesh. Mm-hmm. I pray that we would know you. We would know you, Lord. We would know you, Jesus, today. And in these moments, we'd hear it like, we'd like we know you. In this time, in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going uh, to speak this morning. We, we, we started a little series on our practices. And, and again, you know, series is, is, might be the right word, might be the wrong word, I don't know. But we spent, we spent like five weeks in this stuff over here, like our loves, and tried to say in that space that it wasn't about a series, rather than like one with something to preach or something smart. Um, it was like, it was like this is the fruit or the result of like 10, 15 years as a church, a couple of years now of, of the last of like gathering and praying and going to scripture and just really asking Jesus, this is your church, what do you, what do you want? What have, what have you asked? from your church, you know, what's our preferences, what would we prefer, what do we think is smart and is going to reach the world, etc. Like, genuinely, Jesus, what do you want? And came out of these, these five loves emerged from that, right? That first and foremost, we're loved. We're loved by God. It's the starting point. He's the initiator. It's the starter of it. It never departs from that. It just grows from that space. We're loved by him. We have the honour of loving him in return. We love the Lord in return. That we love our neighbours as ourselves. Jesus connects those two together. We love me love others, then that we love one another, that there's a special calling that God has on the church, that has a mission that says we love being a part of what God is doing in the world, but that starts at this place of being united together, overlapping our lives, um, in such a way that shows the world this is what Jesus looks like. People from different backgrounds, different races, different countries, we have this picture of what it looks like at the end there, where it's like every nation, tribe and tongue united under Jesus. And we have like the opportunity to be like a, a prophetic declaration, a, 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 an example of that reality before that reality comes in full as we commit ourselves to loving one another. So we have those things, right? And even at that, as we preach them out, they can still seem like, like, um, like aspirational in some way. Do you know what I mean? Because, okay, right, I have all those things, but then what's my life look like on Monday morning or on Sunday at 2 p.m. when I'm, when I'm gone or whatever? So what we've done um, is we've looked past this and we're like, how can we participate? See these things that, that God has called us, that Jesus has commanded. How can we participate in them day after day? I read this, this example uh, during the week as I've been like, reading books about like movements of God. I'm praying and hoping that, man, what if there was a movement of God in, in Ireland, in Dublin, in Bray? Like, what would, that, what would that even look like? And uh, this guy used an example of, like, you know, like, like a sailboat, old-fashioned sailboat, board with engines, like, you would have sails, and, and, uh, and you can have all the sails you want, and unless there's a wind that blows, you don't go anywhere, right? The Bible describes the Holy Spirit as, like, the wind of God, the breath of God, and it's Him who brings, like, the force, the, the power, the direction, all of that stuff, right? But there's our responsibility also to play in that, in that are we raising the sails to be a part of what God wants to do, or is the wind going to come and we don't have our, we don't have our sails up, we don't have like, this stuff in place for how we, how we navigate what it is that God is doing, how, we, how we're immersed in it, how we, we go with the flow, the Bible says keep in step with the Holy Spirit, insinuating that it's possible to not keep in step with the Holy Spirit, yeah? Like, so there's God's sovereignty and God's, like, power and all of it being, being um, only possible because of what Jesus did. And then there's, like, this responsibility he gives us when he gives us commands. And it's like, guys, if you love me, obey my commands. Don't, don't call me Lord, Lord, and then don't do what I tell you, you know? So it's like, can we have practices in our lives? And I like the word practice. 1 John 3 uses this, like, says, anyone who's been born of God doesn't practice sin. But practice is righteousness. That's my paraphrase. But he uses that word practice. I'm not saying we don't sin because hands up who hasn't sinned. Yeah? Like, but it says we don't practice as it's not in something that we're going after. It's not something that we want to get better at. Do you know what I mean? You practice what you want to be better at. It's said we practice righteousness. So we have this list of practices which is like when you look at Liberty Church, when you look at us, these are the things that we want to be committed to in our lives. Now we're not expecting that this whole list that's down there is like tomorrow, this is what your life looks like. But what we want to do is like put them out there and then be the things that as a community we hold ourselves accountable to. That when we're building one another, we're encouraging one another, when we're with each other, we're like looking at what does your life look like? What do the rhythms of your life look like? 
We already have rhythms, yeah? You already have something you do when you wake up straight away in the morning. You have something you do after breakfast, something that you do during the day. You've got these patterns established in your life. And what would it look like if we reoriented our life piece by piece into the way that would reflect who we are in God? It would be this big, big call on, um, on our lives. And as I, as I studied, and as I looked at moves of God, like... They happen when extraordinary things happen. Very often when we think, I don't know, Bernard said this last week, uh, so I was in with the kids, but we think extraordinary things, we think like, okay, something like crazy, supernatural, mad has to happen, and then there'll be revival, then there'll be breakout, or whatever. When you break down that word, like, extraordinary, it's like, what's extra to the ordinary? When you see it, when you see everyone's happening, it's like groups of people starting to gather and pray. Or groups of people starting to go out and walk the streets and tell people about Jesus. Or groups of people started to like, read the Bible together. And it always starts to be like things that in hindsight look like they, they don't look like, like crazy different. But what happened was people were doing something that was ordinary for them and then stepped into something that became extraordinary. You're with me? Like if you're not reading the Bible at all and you start reading the Bible, that's extra to your ordinary. That's like something that's different. And the cumulative effect of the people of God doing that in community is that it raises those sails for, for movement that God can catch something and move something and use a people and our prayer, our belief, our, our deep hope is that as we look at this stuff, not just stuff to do when like, oh, we need something to preach every week. It's like there's an audacious claim that God has placed on your life. We looked at it a few weeks ago. Royal priesthood, holy nation, people called to declare the excellencies of whom called you from darkness into his marvelous light. All this stuff we see in the scripture, the huge call on your life. It's like how do we how do we participate? How do we how do we get serious about it, guys? How do we Obey. When you talk to, I've heard multiple like interviews and listen to podcasts, etc. About we see places like South America, we see places in Africa, we see over in Asia, thousands of people coming to know the Lord on a daily basis. This stuff is happening. When you talk to the people who are leading those movements, one of their common, uh, um, uh, not criticisms of the church in the West, but the reasons why they reckon this isn't happening in the West, is they said like when we read something in Scripture and Jesus says to do it. We take it serious, like Jesus has actually said to do that. It, it, we don't we don't just read it and like and think, okay, now I know that, you know, now I now I now I understand that, like that's it, that's it done. It's like we, we hold each other accountable to being obedient to to the things of God, and when they do that, you see extraordinary lives, and you see then like something that catches the wind of God. But in the West, we face like an uphill struggle. Even where I went, I spent four years in college studying engineering, right? And then came out and called myself an engineer. I haven't got a bog's notion of what I'm doing, right? I didn't have to pass exams. I remember after being an engineer for a year, I went back and apologized to a guy who I was doing drawings for. It was a guy on the site installing sprinkler systems, and I was drawing the drawings for him to do them. And it's easy, I'm like, oh yeah, draw a line here, right? And then uh, he has to go and spend two weeks putting in a six inch pipe across the ceiling somewhere that I've just like drawing a line and thought I knew what I was doing and uh, I realised just how much I didn't know until I actually had to practice something where there was like real world implications of it not just practising to study an exam but our culture works that way it's like you finish a course and you graduate and now you're qualified to do something and, uh, and we're just like we can just do that with our Christianity you know I've been, I've been convinced that over time that man if I took any, any one sermon that was preached even the worst sermon that was ever preached in Liberty and and I was serious about applying just the truth that was in that, that thing that week. That it, would, uh, it could transform, transform a life. And so what we want to do is get, get serious about this stuff. About actually walking it out. And how do we do it? We do it as a, a team. And I'd, I'd love us to like weigh it up. I'd love us to practice these things. And practice is a good word. It's like how do we get better at something? Practice it. It's like trying to do something you haven't done piece by piece. You get better. Nobody picks up the guitar and can play the guitar like like Hendrix after a day. You know what I mean? Like nobody even after a lifetime probably can play it like him, right? But but like you get better day after day as you, and you, you fall in love with something as you do it. There's this thing where you do what you love and you love what you do, and there's this interaction between them where you don't know you love something until you start to do it. And it's like that with these kind of things with the with the word of God, these practices. These are the things we want to do, right? So Bernard kicked off last week on, on prayer and worship. And yeah, it wasn't Look, did you come to a better understanding of prayer and worship after Bernard preached? Or did Bernard do a good job and you felt good about it and it tickled your imagination? Or did you know something that at the aim of it, did you, did you worship and pray in a different way this week? Because of it. 
We have to have that expectation on our lives, not just like hearing and not doing. You know what I mean? Like just like like gaining head knowledge and, and not stepping into what God has for you. I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to speak a condemning word. I'm trying to speak an encouraging word into God in heaven making for a purpose for you to walk in it. That you would be alive in your destiny. That you would know the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Look, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Like as you, as you move in those things, the excitement of being on adventure with God, the breakthrough of knowing. Like, I don't know. I just don't want us stuck in a holding pattern, you know? Of just singing more songs and hearing more things and being educated beyond our obedience. And so what we've committed to as believers in the church is like, but we've put this stuff before God and we're like, we're just willing to put everything on the line, like, whatever it looks like. We need to be shaped in a different way, gathered in different ways to Jesus. We don't want to settle for anything else. We don't want to have a structure that enables anything, anything else other than what you've, you've called us to. Like, have any of you ever, over the last while, I'm always looking for new things to do, right? And then, and then like, I start to set out because I'm like, bro, you don't have a spare minute to do anything. You don't have enough time to do what you're doing already, let alone. But you think about, oh man, I'll go and learn jujitsu or something, or I'll join like, the Fighters Like Football team, or I'll like, but then you weigh it up in your head and you're like, well, if I was to join a football team, right, I'm going to have to play matches on, on Saturdays during the day, I'm going to have to practice on Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights, go to training, I'm going to have to start watching what I eat, do you know what I mean? It's going to have some implications on, on my life. And uh, imagine if I did all that, right, and I joined, I joined the football team and I went along on Wednesday evening to training and uh, instead of kicking a ball, we sang some football chants and then somebody, somebody gave a little talk about how footballs are made and... Uh, and then, and then we didn't do it. And then, then next week we had a goalkeeper in. He told us all about goalkeeping. And uh, and then the following week after that we did it. We started a series on like the ten best footballers of all time, life lessons from them. And uh, and week after week, are you going to actually? Are you going to kick the ball? No, why would I kick the ball? There's professionals. They've not seen. There's like a Premier League. Why would I kick the ball? And there's people who can, who are better at it and who are paid to do it. And that would seem ludicrous to us. And you wouldn't, if that was the case of it, then you would dial it in. No, oh, I don't need to watch what I eat, but I just go there. It doesn't have any implications on my life. It's just a just kind of group to talk about stuff. But it's detached from the real life. I'm not, I'm not a footballer. You know what I mean? I'm not a, I'm not a, a, a disciple. I'm not a follower of Jesus. Am I? You know what we do? Have it sing the songs, talk about the book. Like, where does it, where does it find, where does it find ground? Where does it find traction? Where does it? Where does it move? And, uh, and so these practices that we have here is like, these are physical, this is like observable in my life. Am I reading the word? Am I praying and worshiping? Do I practice the Lord's Supper? Which you when we're here like that. Rest and Sabbath, we want to speak that a few weeks' time. It'd be incredible. These things of being along with one another. We can say we love our neighbors and we love one another. Do we practice hospitality and generosity? Do we practice forgiveness? We can say we don't play our part in what God is doing in the world, but do you make disciples? Do you use your gifts for the benefit of those around you? These are things that the Bible says that you should be doing, that Jesus has said he's given all authority. All authority is his so that we can do these things, that he's given his Holy Spirit so he can do these things. We can say that stuff, but do, do our leaders actually just do the service for us, or do our leaders, do our leaders equip us? We can say we love our neighbors, but do we practice mercy and justice? Is it practice it? We just, is it easy to walk past the guy on the street now? No, we just, are you just immune to it? In the city centre the other day, not to in their ages, not to homeless people, it's just, what do I, what do, I do? Do you know what I mean? We just past, like, uh, do we become immune to that the more you walk by? Does it just become then that's, that's decided what I do in that situation to walk You know? We practice new things to something become extraordinary. We work with holy intent. Is our work disconnected from our everyday life, you know? So we have those 40, 50, 60 hours a week you put into something and no inkling whatsoever of what it is that God has called you to in that space. It might be the most important space you exist in when God has you there for a reason. And so what we want to do is like just put this stuff before us and then not only put it before us, but hold each other accountable in whatever way we can. Ongoing. This isn't a series that ends when we hit to the end of this. This is the life of liberty until Jesus returns, until we go to be with him. These are the things that we want to orbit our world around and, and call ourselves to. And, um, and we, need, we need the Lord in that. Um, and it's all about Him. Um, I'm going to take just a few minutes to look at the second one of these, which is Bible reading. And uh, do you know, do you know uh, the very 
second, very first, the very second sounds weird, doesn't it? But the second sermon I ever preached was on how to read the Bible. Uh, back in 2012, I was in Brown, up a room over a lifestyle sports there. And, uh, and I opened, there was a line in it that I said, and let you know at the beginning, because I read my notes this morning. And uh, I was like, oh, you would probably be better served by me telling you to read the Bible and giving you this next half an hour to do that than me talking at you about the Bible, right? And I said, but I'd probably get the sack and then I'd have to talk at people about the Bible for didn't have the bottle to just do it, right? And, uh, and I have had the bottle this morning. I'm going to speak for about half the time, and then we're going to get you guys are going to get into the word for the second half together. Because um, we want to practice this thing. Like, we just do the same, we do the same thing we've always done. You get the same stuff you've always got, you know? How do we move into like, practicing that stuff together? Um, and I pulled out my stuff, right? So I just want to encourage you with just the scope of like the audacity of what the word even even is. I used to have I that survey in 2012. I had all these stats and stuff. You can see I was fresh out of being an engineer, pulling out the infographics around <laughs> the Bible. It's like 1600 years, written over a period of 1600 years. The oldest bits, three and a half thousand years old. The youngest bits, about 1900, written over three continents. 40 different authors from uh, all types of backgrounds, kings and peasants and philosophers and fishermen and poets and statesmen and scholars written in different times, in times of exile, in times of plenty, in times of war, in times of persecution, written from tents in the desert to prisons in Rome, written in three different languages but has been translated into 2,454 languages so far and counting the best-selling book of all time. There's over 6 billion Bibles in print right now. U version, the Bible app, had 52 million unique new downloads last year. The Bible is gone, has over 410 million downloads so far. It's like, like the Bible is like, people say it's irrelevant, it's outdated, it's a miraculous, incredible book. People say it's disjointed because of all that stuff. We have this other infographic which shows this is, it's probably too small for you to see, and the light probably isn't brilliant, but this is like Genesis, X, Leviticus, Number, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Group, all the way up through to where you see that big line. And then it's like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the New Testament. Each one of those lines is a point where the Bible references itself. So this line that follows all the way from here back to here is the point where Genesis references Revelation. This point here is the point where Matthew goes back and references the book of Psalms. So there's thousands and thousands and thousands of connections in the Bible because it's one unique story telling us the story of the world, telling us our place in it, this narrative of creation, fall, redemption, restoration, shows us why the world was made, answers the big questions of life, the deepest questions of our souls, and the, the, the point of existence is answered in the pages of this book where God reveals himself through his word, reveals his purposes for man. And man, without the word of God, where would we be? Floundering, like just with the philosophies, the overload of information, whatever the world has to offer. But there's one consolidated, true account of the world, of where it has been, what's happened in Jesus and where it's going because of him. And it's over, it's overarching and it's incredible. It tells one story, your story. And can I just encourage, like, man, how can, how can that be the case, right? And then it gathers, like, dust on our shelves, you know what I mean? Or it's not, it's not open. Like, that's true, right? This is actually, like, the word of, of God. Like, I don't know, why do I open Facebook in the morning instead of opening, opening a word? Like, what's the, what's the battle? How do I participate? How do I get better rhythms in my life? Because like I said, you love what you do, you do what you love. It's start to do something, it grows. And it's about us getting accountable, about us getting like, proactive and stuff. Not religion, yeah, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the things that we do to actually obey, obey Jesus. This thing is, is about, I love the song that you picked, Davina, about like, love has a name, hope has a name. It's this name of Jesus, this is the last little infographic that I had from back then. The larger the word is, word cloud, I don't know if you've seen this before, the larger the word is, the more it appears in the Bible. Yeah, so God appears a lot, King appears a lot, Son, the big words. But the largest word there is the word Lord. It's the one that, again and again, the most amount of times, in scripture, I counted them this morning, there are 7,484 times that, uh, that the word Lord appears right in the Bible. And, uh, and it's, a great, it's a great kind of connection point because you're like, well, like, what's that got to do with the name of God? Um, and I don't know if you know this, but, um, but God has a name. When we say like, the name of Jesus, right? but before that, that God, God in heaven has a, has a name. And, and the name that, 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 like, Moses, right? When God goes to send Moses, he's like, he's like, who will I, Moses, like, who will, who will I say? Like, Moses appears in the burning bush to him and sends him like back to Egypt. Like, who will I say? 
sends me. And he says, I am. Tell him I am who I am, right? And then the next thing he says, is, if you read it in your, in your Bible, it says, uh, God also said to Moses, say, the Lord, the God of Israel, sends me to you, right? The Lord. And it's written. Have you ever looked in your Bible and you see it written in capital letters? L-O-R-D. There's a different one. There's one written in small letters. There's one written in capital letters. You may know this already, but I'm getting to this point that, that, um, that God has drawn us into a relationship with us, even through the predominance of this word, Lord. He's trying to show us Show us who he is, right? That word Lord is this word in Hebrew, right? Four letters, Yod Ha Baha, right? Yod Ha Baha, right? And you look, how do we get Lord from that? Well, there's this thing that happened, right? There's no vowels. There's no vowels in, in Hebrew. So if you have Yod Ha Baha, Y-H-W-H or J-H-U-H, depending on, even in some languages, you know, some languages now that pronounce J's as Y's and Y's as J's, and you know that any of those sort of stuff. And B's and W's interchangeable. So here I have that or that. Now there's no there's no vowels. So if my, if my name was written down, like Rob sent you was written in, it would just have like R and B. Yeah, there wouldn't be an O. So it could be Rib or Rab or Reb or Rub, right? Or it could be Rob, right? So you're not kind of guessing which one of, which one it is, right? So that's where we get these two these two words. You take white H through the H and you put vowels in and you get the word Yahweh. Or is it J-H-U-H-U-H-U-H-U-H-U-H-U-H-U-H-U-H-U-H-U-H-U-H-U-H-U-H-U-H-U-H-U-H-U-H-U-H-U-H-U-H-U-H-U-H-U-H-U-H-
Jesus, Jesus is the God who created all of heaven and earth. And the whole of scripture, I'm trying to say, is permeated with this, this call to say, oh, I want you to know me by name. I want you to know me at that depth. That all of this stuff is about you knowing Jesus. His heart's desire that the thousands of years of God to know this, the miracle it is that it's in our hands preserved thousands of years later. Because God is saying, I want you to know me by name. Not just have a relationship with a book, but that this, the words in this, will bring you into a relationship with Jesus. Not some stale relationship, but a living relationship with the God who has a name, gives you a name, and knows who you are, and created you to know. That that's the invitation of this. So now when we read the Bible, we're just talking about some religious thing, like, oh, God wants to read the Bible, he's given us a hard time. It's like, God wants you to know him by name intimately. And he wants to invite you into that. The Bible, oh man, those of you who've walked with the Lord for a while, you'll just know, you'll just, you'll just know that when I look back through my life, like the word of God in my life, every, like, there's not a breakthrough, there's not a, there's not a good thing that's happened in my life, like, that didn't come through the, didn't come through the word. I just remember being as a kid, the kids are in next door there, but, Remember being as a kid, first Bible verse I learned, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119, verse 11. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Remember being as a kid, learning that off my heart at Sunday school. I remember my mom bringing me into Talbot Street, the footprints to the bookshop was there, and, and buying me a Bible. And I'm going home, the kid's Bible, and I'm like, I'm like reading it. I remember being like about 12 years of age, and starting a Bible reading plan to read it like cover to cover in, the, in a year, and I'm doing it. You were a martyr. Remember that? Thank you. Twelve years. Twelve years old. Yeah. I had parents who raised me in that stuff. I had parents who like who cared. I still have my mom and dad's Bible. My mom and dad come to be with the Lord. I have their Bibles at home and I open them up at every page. There's stuff underlined and there's stuff like little symbols beside that only they know what it means. And there's 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 stuff highlighted in different colours that have colour schemes and they just have this Bible that that walked with them through their lives and you look back and it's like a testimony of every morning when they got up and every word that God spoke in and encouragement. You see the notes and you see the, the importance of key scriptures and I look at it and there's so much highlighted that it loses meaning, but I guarantee that they look at it or could look at it and say, This is when I was on my lowest and this is the word of God that spoke. This is when I have my kids and the word that God spoke over their lives. This is when I didn't know what to do, which way to go. God spoke direction into my life. And I look at my life and that's what it's looked like. I struggle to sin, right? Not that I always like prevail over it. When I struggle to sin and there's a voice that's going on, do this, Rob, do this, Rob. There's also another voice in my head that says, no, you have strength, no, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. That says, no, there's always a way out. When I feel like giving up, when I feel like, oh man, this is just going on too long pandemic stuff right now is just stressing me out. There's also a voice in my head that says, Jesus is returning, that says, here's the hope that you are called for, that says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace, will all step into it. Like there's, because I'm invested in the Word of God, and God was grace through me into that thing, and it became something that I love. There's like this voice that combats, the voice of the enemy that says, God is evil, God is bad, like, God is good, like God is, the voice of the world that says, you don't need God, there's no absolutely I need God, when I hear, read the scripture and see how powerless I am about him and whatever, and it's born out of my life and my own life, when I have this tendency to want to be my own God, and I just realize from the scripture that that's the, 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 the fall, the conflict since the beginning was like the temptation of sin. And just this thing culminates so that you're not on your own, but that you can take thoughts captive and you can bring thoughts like subject to the word of God. That only happens when you're in it, yeah? Like without that like biblical literacy, how does that happen in my life? Do you know what I mean? How does that how does that work? We need the word Jesus when he's uh when he's uh, led into the wilderness, you know, and tempted. He's uh he ends up in there and uh sorry, let me get this my verses here, right? Um, Matthew four. And uh and he's led into the wilderness and the devil tempts him. And each time that he's tempted, you know what I mean? Like Jesus responds to scripture. He's like, No, it's written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. It's written. Man shall not like a bread and but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He like quotes scripture back at the end. But what's interesting though is that the enemy also tempts him with scripture. Like that the enemy, like Jesus isn't the only one quoting scripture in the desert. It's the enemy also quoting scripture, trying to use scripture to trip up Jesus. I think that the enemy, the enemy knows the Bible. Which is funny, you think you know it doesn't end well for him. <laughs> <laughs> you read one, but uh, he hasn't read to the end yet. <laughs> but uh, 
Trace will tell you there. Um, or my phone is not, just how you screw this. Um, so we have this Bible project, yeah? And, uh, and we have one chapter of the Old Testament, one chapter of the New Testament every day with three Psalms at the weekend. Today's reading is Psalm 142. So I want us to do this in groups over Psalm 142, just the scripture that is up today. Psalm 142, the book of Psalms, PSAM. Yeah. Um, there's some Bibles here if you don't have them. But here's what I want you to do, right? This is just a simple pattern um, in community together. Is that we'll take 10 minutes, we'll read Psalm 142, it's only a few verses long. And then just ask these three, three questions in a group, yeah? Like, the first question is, who is God? And it always starts with this who is God stuff, right? Because we don't just jump straight into how can I obey. We don't just jump straight into religion. Everything is rooted through these first two commands, yeah? That we are loved by God and that we love God in return. Everything, like any response to what we should do should come out of revelation and worship and honour of who God is, right? So I want us to look in that scripture and ask, who is God? As in, what do you discover about God from this passage? We should have sentences like, God is this or God is that, yeah? The second thing that I would love you to ask about it is, what do you learn about humanity? So who, am, who am I as I look at this? Maybe as you read the psalm, you'll be like, man, that's actually that's me today. That's the situation. That's the situation I'm in. You know, it gives us insight into who we are in God. Um, and the answer to that is to go around. And then the third one, and here's where the rubber hits the road, and here's where we're maybe not so inclined to push into those questions. These first two will give you head knowledge, yeah? These first two will give you the degree, yeah? But the, the last one, how do I obey? Is like, how can I commit to obey this passage this week? Coming up with an I will, I will statement in, uh, in light of I will do this or I will do that. Again, not the religion, but in revelation to who God is, understanding of what He's calling me into, that this is what it looks like to how I could obey. And my hope is that we would do this in community multiple times. But this morning is about practices, so we get to practice it in the next 10 minutes or so. So just form yourself, turn around, form into two or three. Just groups. I'll probably stay outside one of the groups because when I'm in it, I'll probably do all the talking. So, um, turn around, gather, gather into two or three groups. Somebody read out that scripture, Psalm 142, and then ask each other those questions. and you guys, you guys want to join in here? Yes. That must be three years. Yeah. Spread it out evenly. Thank you. 
from it, Lord God. That we would genuinely, Lord God, like hide your word in our hearts, Lord God. And that it would come out when it's needed. I pray your Holy Spirit, Lord God, <coughs> would remind us of everything that we need. I pray that this week, Lord, there would be the extraordinary in the lives of us as ordinary people, Lord. Where we'd be compelled to, to pick up your word, Lord. Compelled to, to send a message. Compelled to like call someone and say, let's get together and discuss the word of God. That that stuff wouldn't be awkward or weird to us, Lord God. But that that would be, Lord, our life. That would be, Lord, the way in which we participate in this, Lord. So we commit, Lord, that we want to move towards what you want for us, Lord God. We are your people, Lord. We are your people, Lord God. Help us to live as your people. Help us to live out of that identity that you've given us. Lord God, I pray over your people, Lord God, that you would be blessed and kept. The face of God would shine upon you. The grace of God would shine upon you. God is gracious to you. He would fill you, Lord. And that, that beyond that, he would unite you with brothers and sisters and that you would gather around his word and be alive to you this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.